0: Master Hakuin's chant and praises us in.
1: From the very
0: beginning,
2: all beings are Buddha. Like water and ice, without water no ice, outside us no Buddhas. How near the truth, yet how far we seek. Like one in water, crying, I thirst. Like a child of rich birth, wandering poor on this earth, we endlessly circle the six worlds. The cause of our sorrow is ego delusion. From dark path to dark path, we've wandered in darkness. How can we be free from birth and death? The gateway to freedom is Zazen Samadhi. Beyond exaltation, beyond all our praises, the pure Mahayana. Upholding the precepts repentance and giving, the countless good deeds in the way of right living, all come from Zazen. Thus one true Samadhi extinguishes evils, it purifies karma, dissolving obstructions. Then where are the dark paths to lead us astray? The pure lotus land is not far away. Hearing this truth, heart humble and grateful, to praise and embrace it, to practice its wisdom, brings unending blessings, brings mountains of merit. And when we turn inward and prove our true nature, that true self is no self. Our own self is no self. We go, go beyond ego and pass for words. Then the gate to the oneness of cause and effect is thrown open. Not two and not three straight ahead runs the way. Our form now being no form, and going and returning, we never leave home. Our thought now being no thought, our dancing and songs are the voice of the Dharma. How vast is the heaven of boundless Samadhi. How bright and transparent the moonlight of wisdom. What is there outside us? What is there we lack? Nirvana is openly shown to our eyes. This earth where we stand is the pure lotus land, and this very body, the body of Buddha."
0: today is the 16th of February 2021 and this Tay show is, is being broadcast as we are not able to gather at the Zen center at the moment because we're under a uh, uh, Aucklands under a level 3 lockdown again. And we're going to take up um, the topic that we were exploring in the last Tay show um, focusing on, on vows. In the last teisho, we explored a um, passage by Master Shingyan in which he talked about our needing more than just zazen. We need to, to also uh, practice with, um, with a kind of correct base, correct views that, that inform the way in which we practice. And he lim- he listed four particular things that that we need: uh, faith or confidence in the teaching, uh, a compassionate heart. Uh, we need to be practicing renunciation and making vows. Um, just to, to review these very briefly. Um, Can think of this need for faith or confidence as being um, what what uh, helps us to take the medicine of the of the Dharma. Um, There's there's been um, lots of research around around um, people's attitudes towards medicine and the effect that this has on them. if, If people have a strong belief in the efficacy of a medicine, um, they will. They there will be this thing called the placebo effect, which kicks in, which is actually the power of the mind and a compassionate heart um, to to see the, the the pervasive suffering that that is all around us. And to, to also see that we're all in this together. The, the pandemic has certainly been uh, reminding us of this because really as long as there is, is um, COVID anywhere, then we, we're all at risk. And we can only uh, find a way out by, by um, acting for everyone. at a um, religious leaders meeting the other day and uh, people were commenting on the, um, the strength of people's trust um, in, in government and, and following instructions that they were given. And we can relate this to, to having faith being, being strengthening our resolve to act in a certain way. Taking measures that protect everyone. As a result, of that the third the third um, thing here is is to practice renunciation. It really, just means um, relinquishing uh, pain-producing behaviors and habits that we have. And then the fourth one is making vows. And we spent. Um, most of our time in the last talk, um, looking at the four vowels, and also um, at the translation, the recent translation we've we've got of those four vowels into Te Reo. The the importance of these of these vowels is expressed through the fact that we. We recite them every day at the Zen Center, several times a day when we're all in Sishin, to liberate sentient beings, to uproot our defilements, to enter into the teachings, dharmas, and to embody Buddhahood. But besides these, these four vows, we, we have other vows threaded through our practice. Um, for, the, for the first sit every, every, um, every, every day, we um, recite, those of us who have a Raksu will recite the Raksu verse. Wondrous is the robe of liberation, a treasure beyond form and emptiness. Wearing it, I will unfold Buddha's teaching for the benefit of all sentient beings. we look at these alongside the four vows and we see that they are in a sense another formulation of our bodhisattva vows. When we sew the raksu, we actually um, take the refuges with each sti- stitch. I take refuge in Buddha. So one stitch I take refuge in Dharma, another stitch I take refuge in Sangha, another stitch. So in a sense, we could say that the garment, once it's been made, is sort of imbued with vows. Because these these taking refuge that we also do regularly in the Zendo, are 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 another set of vows. Uh, very heart-centered ones, in the sense that uh, to take refuge in something is really to to um, trust, deeply trust that thing, whatever it is. Sometimes the the analogy is used for our taking refuge in Buddha and Dhamma and Sangha. It's being like the way that a child would would take refuge in his or her mother's arms, but also understand this taking refuge in Buddha Dharma and Sangha as being taking refuge in the great vows of the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. Their their vows their vows to save us, us. We sentient beings. We we put our we take refuge in this this um, great parental mind that the the and the bodhisattvas have. In the memorial prayer, we actually we actually call on the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas to to um, come forth, and we say, "Forget not your ancient vows." We we generally in Zen we don't. Um, engage much in in petitionary prayer, in in asking for things, but in the memorial prayer, we do ask the Buddhism bodhisattvas to come forth in order to um, offer um, protection or solace to to the person who's died. So we do it on behalf of the deceased, really. Master Sheng Yin um, talks a little bit about um, prayer in uh, this is in a book called Zen Wisdom, Knowing and Doing. And we talked a little bit last last week, or last time for Taisho about we don't really pray in Zen, but we, we vow that, that our vows, are in a sense, are, are uh, stand in for for what would, might be a place of prayer in other traditions. But he says that when he says that, that when people ask him to pray for them, he will say yes that he will. Um, but really what he, ends, he he goes on to describe is not so much prayer, but um, um, invoking, as we do when we, when we do the memorial prayer or some of our other chants. And he talks about then also transferring the mer- merit for, for, to the people he's, he's kind of praying for He says, people who are sincere in their intentions can bring about a good effect on others. The opposite is also true. If many people wish someone harm, then that person will likely suffer. It is not magical. It is merely the power of the mind. I recite Avalokiteshvara's name with the idea that my merit will be transferred to others. I do not care if he exists or not. Why do I bother? First, Shakyamuni Buddha praised Avalokiteshvara and his power, and I trust the Buddha's words. Second, precisely because so many people believe in and pray to Avalokiteshvara, his power exists. For these reasons, I recite his name and use him to transfer merit. Avalokiteshvara serves as a giant reflector upon which thousands of people direct their thoughts. If these individuals direct their thoughts to different objects, it is like thousands of weak flashlights shining with limited power. But if people concentrate their thoughts on a single entity, it is like shining all of the flashlight's beams onto a giant mirror, increasing tremendously the illumination. Avalokiteshvara, we would say Kanon, is such a mirror. Externally, this may seem similar to the practice of many other religions, but the perspective is different. Other religions say that the power comes from the deity one prays to. Buddhism maintains that the power comes from the person or people who pray, and from the mind, that the mind um, gives rise to uh, what we would call... um, Avalokiteshvara or Manjushri or the other bodhisattvas, in that these, these um, great beings are um, the nature of the mind in its, in its broadest and deepest sense. just keep, to keep on some of the ways on about some of the ways that we incorporate vows into our into our different um, chanting rituals and services. We have um, the return of merit when we finish chanting. Faith in Buddha, Dharma Sangha brings true liberation. We now return the merit of our chanting to Shakyamuni Buddha, Manjushri Bodhisattva Avalokita Bodhisattva Bahadra Bodhisattva we place our faith in the great heart of perfect wisdom. May all beings attain Buddhahood. And then everyone joins in after the leader. Ten directions, three worlds, all Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, Maha, Prajna, Paramita. So again, we brought up back to faith at the beginning of this, of this uh, return of merit, this dedication. Um, faith. Another way of talking about taking refuge in when we when we name and and chant the, um, call forth Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, um, we may. Experience them as being external to us, and we we call them forth with their names, but um, they're not actually um, outside us. Our calling them forth gives them gives them life. What are, what are we actually taking refuge in when we take refuge in Buddha Dharma and Sangha? There's a, there's a teaching which um, is a very rich one which, which describes the, the three treasures, Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, from three different angles, you could say. And these three different angles are called the unified three treasures, the manifested three tre- treasures, and the abiding three treasures. And just say a little bit about each of these. This is from, I think it's from the um, uh, Three Pillars of Zen. Um, the, the unified Three Treasures, which is Iktai Sambo in, in the Japanese, um, consist of the Buddha Virachana, representing the realization of the world of emptiness, of Buddha nature, and of unconditioned equality. And then Dharma is the law of beginningless and endless becoming to which all phenomena are subject according to the causes and, to causes and conditions. And then the third one, Sangha, is the harmonious fusion of the preceding two which concentrate, constitutes total reality as experienced by the enlightened. This is what we're... We're taking refuge in. There are, there are two other ways of, of understanding these three treasures. The manifested three treasures uh, is the perhaps the more obvious one. It's, the, it's Shakyamuni, the historical person who... Um, realized himself and um, realised in himself the 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 Itai sambo, the unified three treasures, saw them clearly. And then this in this manifested three treasures, the Dharma is the spoken words and sermons of Shakyamuni Buddha, which he when he actually gave those sermons and taught The significance of uh, the unified three treasures, the laws of the universe, and how to realize them. And then the, the manifested three treasures, Sangha, is his actual immediate disciples who were around him and heard his words, and believed them and made them real in their own lives. And then the abiding three treasures is Buddha figures, in other words, the iconography that have come down to us, the written sermons, the sutras, the discourses of the Buddhas is the Dharma, and then the, the Sangha is the contemporary disciples who practice and realize the truth of Itai, Sambo here and now with us. So we, we are part of the abiding three treasures. One of the questions that sometimes comes up about the, the, this returns of, return of merit. How come we return the merit of our chanting to Buddhism Bodhisattvas? Surely they have no need for our merit. They've already got plenty of it, haven't they? I think one way of, of getting our minds around this is to understand what the purpose of our returning merit is. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a form of renunciation, you could say, of giving up, giving up our spiritual materialism. In other words, um, giving away any gain that we might have had from doing the chanting or whatever it is we're applying the dedication to. We're not doing the chanting because um, it'll make us better people or or better Buddhists or give us some kind of um, addition to our merit mountain. Because if if that were the case, then those would be self-centered motives and would reinforce our ego preoccupation. So in a sense, giving them over, giving these merits over to the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas is um, turning them over to beings who have no concept of merit at all. Because merit only only has meaning when there's somebody gaining something And that's not the way the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas see things. In the Heart Sutra, Kanon realizes attainment too is emptiness. She realizes the emptiness of all the five skandhas. At the end, at the end of the of the uh, return of merit, we we say we place our faith in the great heart of perfect wisdom. So it's back to faith again. We trust in what is this heart of perfect w- wisdom, uh, prajna. Seeing into the the interconnectedness and the fluidity of 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 self and other. All existence, and when we when we all come in with with the final ten directions, three worlds, all Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, Maha Prajna, Paramita, um we it's, it's it's like an an echo of what the lead chanter has just said, a kind of like a call and response when we say ten directions, three worlds where We're saying everywhere and in every dimension of existence there's prajna. There are Buddhas and Bodhisattvas embodying, awakening and liberating beings. And the purpose of all these um, vows, these... um, taking refuge, having faith in it's all to give us a sense of direction, to, to remind us of uh, why and we're sitting, what we're sitting for. We have the, the pithiness of the four vows to liberate beings, to uproot our afflictions, to deepen on and on our our understanding of the Dharma and all of this in the service of of the fourth of the vows, waking up, walking the path, walking the great way. Another very pithy... um, Formulation we have of the three general resolutions that we do at the uh, near the beginning of uh, Ajakai 16 precepts ceremony To do no harm to do good to liberate all all beings And of course the precepts are another way that we break these, these things up. There are different just multiple ways really that we can cut up this cake But coming back to these four vows each of them is uh, open-ended, vast, impossible. And really that that's their value by by formulating these vows in terms of um, saving numberless beings, endless afflictions, measureless Dharmas, insurpassable, unsurpassable way of the Buddha. We're we're pressed by these formulations into really understanding that um, it's a long game we're we're engaging in. We may not even see the results of our actions in our lifetime. These vows don't point to sort of short time short term goals, but but to something much faster than that.
1: And as um, Master
0: Sheng Yin was, was pointing to, when you have many, many people all um, making the same vows, uh, um, or many people in a sangha making those vows together, then they have, they have power. They, they involve us in a kind of... Um, Concerted effort. And at this particular moment in time, we surely need this concerted, concerted effort more than ever. Came across a, a, um, a passage from Yuval Harari's book, Sapiens A Brief History of Humankind. This has been quoted by David Loy in his um, book Echo Dharma. Yuval Harari says Despite the astonishing things that humans are capable of doing, we remain unsure of our goals and we seem to be as discontented as ever. We have advanced from canoes to galleys to steamships to space shuttles but nobody knows where we're going. We are more powerful than ever before, but have very little idea what to do with all that power. Worse still, humans seem to be more irresponsible than ever. Self-made gods with only the laws of physics to keep us company. We are accountable to no one. We are consequently wreaking havoc on our fellow animals and on the surrounding ecosystem seeking little more than our own comfort and amusement, yet never finding satisfaction. Is there anything more dangerous than dissatisfied and irresponsible gods who don't know what they want? Dissatisfied and irresponsible gods who don't know what they want. And then um, David Loy comments, he says, the heart of the problem, why we don't know what we want, is that we no longer believe we have any role to play in the cosmos. Since we know that humans, like all other species that have evolved, are mere accidents of gen- genetic mutation, we are accountable to no one and, to no th- and no thing beyond ourselves. All we can do then is enjoy ourselves if we can, while we can, as long as we can, until we die, no wonder we feel dissatisfied and act irresponsibly. What he's describing, describing here is is um, the the kind of modern malaise of uh, nihilism. This, this uh, deep separation that we, we feel from um, the world around us which is which has led us to this point in time where um, we're in a crisis as human beings and we have to find a way to... To move in a concerted fashion, it's not just a matter now of of um, individual uh, salvation. David Lowy argues this elsewhere in this book, but of of um, collective action to to counteract. the the destructive path that we're on. And this is one of the the, the um, kind of exciting, even creative points we're at in terms of how do we how do we put into practice our vows. How do we make them then them uh, meaningful for for us? We even uh, come up with our own ways of expressing these these vows. Here's one here's one um, set of vows, and this is. This is from jo- um, Joanna Macy, her book, um, Active Hope, How to Face the Mess We're in Without Going Crazy, and she's recast these vows as follows, the Ekosattva vows, she calls them. I vow to myself and to each of you to commit myself daily to the healing of our world and the welfare of all beings. This word healing, we actually have have it in our um, Tereo version of the vows, Fakaota, to make well, more or less. To live on Earth more lightly and less violently in the food products and energy I consume. To draw strength and guidance from the li- guidance from the living Earth the ancestors, the future generations, and my brothers and sisters of all species. To support others in our work for the world, and to ask for help when I need it. To pursue a daily practice that clarifies my mind, strengthens my heart, and supports me in observing these vows. We were going to um, have a, a, um, a spell of people commenting on their own experience of living with vows in different ways um, tonight with this Te Show, but uh, we do have a third one um, planned for in a couple of weeks' time and uh, hopefully we'll be um, together at the Zendo for that one and people can um, contribute at that point but just to, to um, finish up with some different um, examples of Vows from from from, uh, but with, they're all within the um, Buddhist tradition. Um, but just to, to perhaps inspire people to uh, come up with some of their own um, for this the next time that we get together to talk. I haven't got a source for this one, but it's, you know, this is how it goes. As the host within the host, birth after birth, world after world, I will never cease, even when I get to the time of my Maitreya Buddha descending. Um, it's many said to be many, many eons in the future. I will go all the way, together with sentient beings, transmigrating through the six worlds. I will travel through the three realms throughout the three umskaaya kalpas, and a hundred more. May all beings attain Buddhahood. And this one, this is a, a well-known one from uh, that we've touched on before. It's from uh, Shanti Davis, The Way of the Bodhisattva. just like those who in the past have gone to bliss, conceived the awakened attitude of mind, and in the precepts of the Bodhisattvas, step by step, abided and trained. Likewise, for the benefit of beings, I will generate this attitude of mind, and in those self-same precepts, step by step, I will abide and train. May I be a guard for those who are protectorless, a guide for those who journey on the road, For those who wish to go across the water, may I be a boat, a raft, a bridge. May I be an isle for those who yearn for landfall, and a lamp for those who long for light. For those who need a resting place, a bed. For all who need assistance, may I be a faithful servant. May I be the wishing jewel, the vase of plenty a word of power and the supreme remedy. May I be the trees of miracles and for every being the abundant cow. Like the great earth and other elements, enduring as the sky itself endures, for the boundless multitude of living beings, may I be the ground and vessel of their life. Thus, for every single thing that lives in number like the boundless reaches of the sky, May I be their sustenance and nourishment until they pass beyond the bounds of suffering. Teachers, Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, listen. Just as as you who have in the past gone to bliss conceive the awakened attitude of mind, likewise for the benefit of beings, I will generate this self-same attitude. Teachers, Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, listen. Just as you who in the past have gone to bliss Conceive the awakened attitude of mind. Likewise, for the benefit of beings, I will generate this self-same attitude. Teachers, Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, listen. Just as you who in the past have gone to bliss, Conceive the awakened attitude of mind. Likewise, for the benefit of beings, I will generate this self-same attitude. So here at the end, uh, repeating three times this Resolve to awaken uh, bodhicitta, the the aspiration to um, wake up in order to wake up others, help others to be a, uh, receive benefits. Or oh, here's a very short version of the, um, of the vow: to lead the infinite beings to the infinite qualities of Buddhahood. By carrying out the infinite activities of the bodhisattvas over an infinite period of time. And just to finish up with, with a passage from uh, 20th century Soto. Asked a Koshō Uchiyama, this passage is headed up, what is a Bodhisattva? He says, a Bodhisattva is an ordinary person who takes up a course in his or her life that moves in the direction of Buddha. You're a Bodhisattva, I'm a Bodhisattva. Actually, anyone who directs their attention, their life, to practicing the way of life of a Buddha is a bodhisattva. We read about Kanan Bosatsu, that's Avalokiteshvara bodhisattva, or Manju Bosatsu, Bosatsu, that's Manjushri bodhisattva, and these are great bodhisattvas. But we too have to have the confidence or faith that we are also bodhisattvas. Most people live there by their desires or karma. That's what the expression. Gosho no Bompu means. Gosho are the obstructions to practicing the way caused by our evil actions in the past. Bompu simply means ordinary human being. That is one who lives by karma. Our actions are dictated by our karma. We are born into this world with our desires and may live our lives just by reacting and responding to them. In contrast is Gansho no Bosatsu or or a bodhisattva who lives by vow. The life that flows through each of us and through everything around us is actually all connected. To say that, of course, means that that who I really am cannot be separated from all the things that surround me. Or to put it another way, all sentient beings have their existence and live within my life. So needless to say, that includes even the fate of all mankind, that too lies within me. We could say the fate of all living beings, beyond just human beings. Therefore, just how mankind might truly live out its life, become Becomes what I aim at as my direction. So he's talking here about, about not just individual liberation but uh, the life of, of all. This aiming or living while moving in a certain direction is what is meant by vow. In other words, it is the motivation for living that is different for a bodhisattva. Ordinary people live thinking only about their own personal, narrow circumstances connected with their desires. In contrast to that, a bodhisattva, though undeniably still an ordinary human being like everyone else, lives by vow. Because of that, the the significance of his or her life is not the same. For us as bodhisattvas, all aspects of life including the fate of humanity itself, live within us. It is with this in mind that we work to discover and manifest the most vital and alive posture that we can take in living out our life. I think one of the points about taking up this, this posture, as he calls it, this attitude, is that it's, it's not dependent On conditions, Uh, we had we had the announcement about about suddenly about moving to um, level three, um, level three on on Sunday night, and uh, and on, on Monday I I found myself feeling kind of a bit out of sorts. Alternating between sort of numbness and uh, going around doing compulsive things, cleaning, and uh, I realised that uh, several of our plans for the for the week, um, this week and next week, are now in, in doubt because of the the uh, lockdown and. How how we depend on uh, things unfolding as we expect and want them to for for a sense of of um, self or security. Ajahn Chah said that the the subjective aspect of impermanence anicca is uncertainty. so from from the the perspective of vows we can we can welcome uncertainty as as an opportunity to to enter more deeply into the the dharma gate of impermanence this, this fundamental characteristic of existence we can, can can explore it when things um, are in upheaval, and and our vows can help us to keep going in the right direction, even when conditions are uh, disrupted. We really. Um, can uh, take refuge in Dharma and in Buddha and in Sangha. So, um, just invite everybody to to uh, continue this discussion next time. Um, everybody meets. Um, just keep looking into this very important uh, aspect of our practice, vows, as, as, along with um, faith in Buddha, Dharma and Sangha, and the, the willingness to, to give up what is um, harmful. We'll stop now and recite
1: the four vows. All beings without number, I vow to liberate. Endless blind passions, I vow to uproot. Dharma gates beyond measure, I vow to penetrate. The great way of Buddha, I vow to attain all beings without number. I vow to liberate endless blind cavessions I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain all beings without number. I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot Dharma gaze beyond measure, I vow to penetrate the great way of.
0: Thank you, everybody, for taking part this evening. And the next uh, audio streaming will be of the sitting tomorrow morning at 6.